thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. For more information, log on to Quinley.com. Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to episode 61 of the Thread Podcast. Well, I hope you are having an absolutely wonderful day out there today. Uh, We are getting packed up for our um, much-anticipated family vacation to Yellowstone National Park. I have thought about it for years, and uh, I've really never been. I've been to Colorado, but I haven't been north. I'd love to get up into the Dakotas and all through there. We're not going to make that this trip, but we are going to go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming as a family, and also to Yellowstone, do some camping. So we're looking forward to that and have some really important downtime as a family. Uh, This is a, a special podcast because it's the wrap-up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, About two years ago, I began my journey as a podcaster after listening to the podcast of uh, the Internet Monk, as Michael Spencer called himself, and I really enjoyed his podcast, and I thought, you know, maybe I could do that too. So Michael passed away not too long after that, but he got me started. And so I want to give him credit for my jump start into podcasting. And it's been a great adventure for me uh, watching, one, just getting the discipline of, even though I'm busy and doing other things, making myself stop and focus on uh, trying to produce good content for people who uh, are looking for detailed Bible study, verse-by-verse verse uh, feeding yourself rather than just taking little bullet point teachings that have, you know, like a lot of sermons these days, they'll have half of a sentence of scripture and then off the guy goes for the next 35 minutes on something that is just out of his head. And I think we're called to stay in the word. The word is bigger than we are. And it's our job as uh, those with the teaching gift in the body of Christ to bring God's word to the people. Um, And there's always modern application, and God will make sure that we can figure out individually, even without a teacher, Uh, but sometimes teachers can help to figure out how you apply this word in a modern setting. But it's there, and God's word is true, and it lasts forever. And especially when you're talking about the words of Jesus, because he is our founder, the author of our faith, he is our Lord, he is our brother and our Savior and our model in all things, and Jesus really has to be the central focus of a Christian's life, or we get off track. So I've enjoyed going through Mark. I've enjoyed uh, interacting with uh, our growing listener base. We started with about 35 people, and I still haven't really learned how to promote well, except uh, as you promote it uh, yourselves, just uh, passing the, either clicking like on Facebook or telling your friends about it and passing the word around. But other than that, I really haven't learned how to promote very well, but still, I've watched it grow. We started about 35 people. It went to 70, hung there for about six months. Then it got over 1,000, and and in the last six months, it's gone from 1,000 to now we're getting close to 3,000 listeners. And um, so I would love to hear from you. Uh, I, I intend to keep on going. I can't say exactly what book we're going to take next. I'm still praying about that. 
But by the next episode, we'll have a clear direction on where we're headed in the future. But in this episode, I want us to come right back and wrap up the past. We want to look for lessons from the Gospel of Mark and see what we can what we can take away just in a, in a review of this book uh, in just about 10 minutes of review. So if you don't have your Bible, uh, run and get one and come right back for three. All right, we're back. Um, if you uh, wanted to start in the beginning, it's easy to do. You can, in case you missed some of the earlier episodes, in the Gospel of Mark, you can go to quinley.com, click any of the podcast entries, and at the bottom of every uh, entry, I always list the uh, iTunes link and the master link at Libsyn, where you can go back and look at uh, two years of the Gospel of Mark, verse by verse, starting with chapter one. Let's just wrap it up and look back over what we've learned, kind of at a a high-altitude flyover. Uh, First of all, we said that Mark was written with a very specific purpose. Uh, Nero had arisen as a Roman emperor. He was a crazy person, and he was a bloody emperor, and he brought something into reality that... uh, the church had dreaded, and that is the general persecution of Christianity. They had been persecuted locally uh, by uh, the local synagogues, and whoever was in their region that did not like this new way that had sprung up. So there was there was local persecution. They had learned to deal with that. That's from their families. That was from the, the local uh, religious community that they were raised in, uh, but they had not and maybe from local councils, but they had not faced the wholesale general use of the Roman Empire's machine as a way to try and wipe out Christians. And it was coming, and Mark could see the storm on the horizon. Nero had risen up in 64 AD. He began to kill Christians. He killed uh, Paul the Apostle by beheading him. He killed Peter by crucifying him upside down. Others would be burned uh, to make streetlights, tied to poles and dipped in tar and lit on fire. And he would drive his chariot by them, laughing about them being the light of the world. And Mark could see, oh no, this is going to spread. It's going all over the world. And he wanted to make absolutely certain that the early church was prepared in their mind to stay true to Jesus Christ in a time of persecution. And, you know, I had read this book many times, but I never really noticed until this reading how deeply the plot of the book is rooted in persecution, from the persecution of John the Baptist to Christ's many references to persecution to Peter rebuking Jesus for talking about persecution to uh, Christ returning back to the theme after chapter 8, which is the hinge of the book. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Mark really wants to prepare the church for its second great persecution uh, by the powers of Rome. And they they aren't, uh, he doesn't want them to fail in this time of persecution. Not failing in, in the time of pressure is kind of one of the central themes of this, that you've got the gospel message 
and you are standing for change, you're, you're, you're standing against the fallen dark powers of the world that have invaded your family systems, your religious systems, your economic system, your educational system. It's all fallen, and Jesus has come to change it all. And so you have this uh, intense pushback as the darkness in all those institutions rises up to try to push away the light. And Mark just wants to make absolutely certain that everybody understands that if we're going to be prophetic change agents, we're going to have to get tough and be able to endure some persecution like this. Um, He draws encouragement from the life of Jesus, and he wants his readers to be strengthened to follow Christ faithfully, even when the world, and even if the government, is clearly set against him. And uh, I, I guess I never really believed that these days would come to America the way that they are coming. But, you know, from lawsuits over something as, as minor as putting up a nativity scene on a Christian holiday to having Christ taken out of his own birthday, being forced with legal battles to just call it a a happy holiday, a season's greetings, not being able to say, I mean, if it's the birth of Muhammad, nobody would fight that. Uh, we know that's the purpose of the holiday, but not with Jesus, because it's an antichrist spirit in the world, and it is gaining strength. And everything from the gay lobby to just antichrist, liberal, political policy wants him out, wants him out because... Uh, the irritation that Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and that he set himself as the standard and the only doorway to the Father, and they cannot abide that. You've got to be, you know, you have to be uh, relativistic these days. You have to be accepting of everything and, and say, not just accepting and polite, but accepting to the point of saying all paths are equal it's whatever you perceive God to be. You know, you have to take it that far or it's just not acceptable to the spirit of the age. And so Mark is telling the church, the Holy Spirit's telling the church through the gospel of Mark that modern Christians have got to be strengthened first in their own doctrine and secondly in their serious commitment to discipleship so that we can follow Christ faithfully even when the world and the government are so clearly set against him. What was true for Christ is true for his followers. He says in the central chapter of this book, chapter 8, verse 31, the Son of Man must be rejected. And he goes on to list all the the powers in his day. He said the Son of Man must be rejected by those powers. And then in verse 34, he turns to his followers and he says, and whoever desires to follow me, let him deny himself take up his cross, and follow me. And so in Mark's gospel, he's going to lead us to the cross of Jesus Christ, where we will join him in death and suffering, but also in resurrection and in power. If you had to find the, you know, the core message of this book, everything leads up to chapter 8, and then everything develops from there toward the cross. Chapter 8 is called the hinge in this book. And the hinge turns on one question. Jesus asked Peter, 
who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And then later, he turns that question and says, and who do you say that I am? And brothers and sisters, we have to settle in our heart who we believe Jesus is. The world has its own version of who he is and who he is not. You have to make up your own mind. Who is Jesus? Decide in your heart who he is. And I think we're left with the famous three choices. He's either a liar and he's none of the things he said he was and we shouldn't respect him at all because he led people to believe things that aren't true. Or he's a lunatic who thinks he's something great and we have to investigate his behavior. Uh, are his words lucid? Does, his, does he appear to be a crazy person? Does he go off on rants that make no sense? Or is he giving us a clearly presented message from the Father? He's either a liar, he's either a lunatic, or he really is who he says he is, and he is Lord, and he's Lord of all. I've decided based on the word, but more than that, based on my personal experience with Jesus Christ. He is everything he said he was. He has not been twisted out of context. Jesus is Lord. Jesus has what he says he had, and Jesus can do what he said he could do in my life and in the life of anyone who will come to him. So Mark leads us to the cross. He leads us to Christ and to the central question, who is Jesus, because if you're going to suffer persecution, you have to be clear in your convictions about the centrality of Jesus Christ as your teacher, as your leader, as your mentor, your model, your savior, your one way to the Father. Once we settle that Jesus is our Lord, now we have to decide what we're going to do with this life of ours, these years that we're given on the earth, and what we're going to do with our energy and our time and our money and our opportunity. And Mark, again, points us through Jesus to ministry as our calling. And he describes ministry. He describes what ministry is like by watching what Jesus does with his time every day, how Jesus interacts with people, how Jesus saw his own calling to do a thing called ministry. In chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, The Son of Man did not come here to be served. He came here to, one, serve, and, number two, to give his life as a ransom for many. Ministry. He didn't come to be served. It's not about him. He's not trying to build a more comfortable life, a bigger, you know, it's not. The whole thing we've twisted it to be is a deep perversion against the very core of Jesus' teachings. He does not say, I've come to make you have your best life now, or your best anything. I've come, he says, to help lead you to deny yourself and to focus on the best life of other people and the best that other people can be, that you would be willing to give your life for their lives, that you would serve them, not here to be served by man or by God, that God is here to answer all my little prayers and make good become better, become best, and I can never go backwards. I only have to go forward in my prosperity financially and all this stuff, this twisted 
worldly, carnal teaching. Mark won't abide it. Jesus didn't teach it. He says, nope, I'm here to serve others. I'm here to minister. And even at the end of the book, we see his enemies, and they're looking at him on the cross, and they are um, smacking their lips with glee at what they've been able to accomplish in destroying his physical body. And they say, as a summary of his life, he saved others. Himself he could not save. But even in doing that, they were endorsing the way he spent every day of his life and the way he has called his people to spend their lives. He saved others. He saved others. Throughout Mark's gospel, Christ teaches us to deny selfishness and to focus on socially, uh, one, fellowship with sinners, that we would practice radical inclusion of people who are outside of the community of God's people, and we would eat with them, and we would fellowship with them, and we would bring them into our world and into our life so that our light can shine and they can find Christ through relationship with us. So I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, have meals with lost people. Get them into your home if you can. Feed them at your own table. Have table fellowship with them as part of your ongoing weekly ministry because that's what Jesus did in his. Minister to them. Focus on the lost. Seek and save the lost. But secondly, um, for Christ, ministry was ministering to real human needs. He, he encountered poverty and sickness and injustice and we're going to see those, those same things. Any country we live in, anywhere in the world, you're going to be confronted with poverty. You're going to be confronted with people who are under attack of sickness. You're going to be confronted with the injustice of the system. And Mark shows that discipleship means that we follow Jesus along the same path of action and that we use our life to do a vocation called ministry to other people. So that's important. Uh, A next key, so first, who is Jesus? Number two, what are you going to do with your life? We're going to minister. Number three, mark keys on faith, confidence, trust, as the key ingredient in our walk with God. And as the key ingredient in our successful walk through life. Faith, faith in three things. Faith first in the person of Jesus. If you're going to walk with God, if you're going to know God, and you are going to make it in the kingdom of God, you have to have confidence and trust about who Jesus is. We've already touched on that. For in Mark's gospel, he's clearly presented as the incarnate God-man, son of God from eternity, He was endorsed by the Father with a voice out of heaven at his baptism, You are my son. He was acknowledged by demons when he would cast them out. We know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. At his transfiguration, his appearance gave way to the glory that was inside of him, and it was allowed to shine out for a moment with people there to witness it. He was, um, the, the whole world became dark. As he hung on the cross, all these evidences about the person of Jesus Christ. We need to trust what we believe and hold it tightly, what we believe 
about the person of Jesus. Who is Jesus? Secondly, we need to have strong faith in the message of Jesus. We need to believe that he came to earth as God's authorized teacher and that the red letters in your red letter version of the Bible are the most important words ever spoken to humans. You can build your life on these words. He is here to teach us how to know God, how to live successfully as God defines success, how to find life and peace and purpose. And Christ will teach us all these things. Faith in his person leads to faith in his message. But don't stop there. Faith in the power of Jesus to help those in need. We have healing in his name. We cast out demons in his name. There are real answers to prayer going on all over the world every day. Don't just put Jesus on a, you know, on your bookshelf as a wise teacher. You've got to bring him into the marketplace, bring him into the daily grind of a fallen world and realize that Jesus has power to help us. He can help you. He can help people you meet. He has authority over all the powers of the enemy. He is Lord of this world. And we can turn to Jesus Christ. We can pray to Jesus Christ. He will hear what we say. Our prayers will go to the Father. If we pray in his name, there is authority from heaven that is released. And we need to have faith in that. Now, the opposite of faith in the Gospel of Mark is hardness of heart, where you shut down inside and you stop being sensitive and tender and childlike, and you become hard and cynical and pushing back on anything that might have come from God. We walk by faith. We walk by trust with a soft heart, like children absolutely believing in the person of Jesus, in his message, and in his power. And finally, Mark assures us that the same miracle power that enabled Christ to confront and overcome pain and evil in the world, the same power that empowered the early church, is also present and it's available to all who will enter this kingdom of God mission. The last chapter of Mark talks about the miracles that God will do through your hands as you go out into the ministry that he, that he has called you in in your generation. So my dear brothers and sisters, let us strengthen our faith in Jesus in this antichrist age. Let us take up our cross and just go ahead and accept in our mind rejection by the world. Not trying to impress the world and compete for the world's approval. Just accept it. Be crucified. Accept the rejection of this world, in order to have the acceptance of our Father God. You have to choose. We can't have both. So we choose rejection in this very short present age by blind, spiritually uh, lost people who don't see clearly, don't understand things the way they are. We choose to accept uh, their rejection so that we can have the Father's approval, and we can see things clearly. So let's strengthen our faith, take up our cross, and number three, let's be filled with his spirit and his power and enter our own ministry in his kingdom. Hey, God has a calling for you, and he has placed people in your path, and he will continue to do that, people who need 
the power of his kingdom to be released in their life so that they can be set free from the things that bind them. God will use you. He'll use your prayers. He'll use your hands as you touch them. They'll be anointed through your contact. God has a ministry for you. We just have to strengthen our grip, strengthen our faith. This is an age that will blow us away from the central foundation of our life in Jesus Christ. And it's been good to come back to Mark and see it as a touchstone for what is right and true and real in our own lives. I hope you'll join me in uh, tightening up on our discipleship and being willing to go through even tough times to be the people of God. That's all for this episode, and that's all for the Gospel of Mark. If you would like to write me, I would love to hear from you. Just write me personally, chuck at quinley.com. You can check me out on Facebook, be my friend, and I'll be your friend, and we'll stay connected. God bless. Until next time, on Thread. 